Welcome to the Susan G. Coleman Memphis, Mississippi Pink Podcast Program. My name is Katherine Young. I'm the Senior Vice President, and hosting with me today is Miss Molly May. Hi, Miss Katherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be doing this with you and going on this journey uh, with the Pink Podcast and with Susan G. Coleman and our affiliate. Um, so I'm so excited today to have our guest is someone that I have looked up to for many years in many capacities, and I am so incredibly excited to not only speak with, but also get to know and have all of our listeners get to know. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Miss Alan Rose. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Hi, Molly. Hi, Catherine. How are you two? Great. Thank you for joining yes, us. Yes, thank you so much for coming. So now, where are you coming to us from today? Because you're not actually in the studio with us. You are calling in, and we're so gracious for it. But where exactly <laughs> are you? I am calling you from Lisbon, Portugal right now. Um, I am off on vacation. It's been the first time in a few years that I've had a real proper vacation. So my husband and I are enjoying the countryside right now, heading down to the water. So just very, very excited, but literally calling you from a beautiful alleyway in the Lisbon countryside. So couldn't be more beautiful. It's got to be one of the most picturesque things. I have never had the pleasure of going to Portugal. Miss Catherine, have you ever gotten to go there? No, but it's on my bucket list one day. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm telling you, I've I've had the opportunity so, with so much luck um, living in Europe to get to travel around. And Lisbon is definitely in my top three of most beautiful places I've been. So I definitely recommend it. Awesome. Well, um, Alan, today here on the Pink Podcast, um, our primary focus is always uh, geared towards breast cancer advocacy and the aftermath as well. And you have an incredible story when it comes to breast cancer education and awareness, um, as well as prevention, um, also in your case. Um, And so I wanted to ask you about your story. I guess we can start from the beginning and um, your story at home with your mom. When it comes to my personal story, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time when she was 27, and it was a really invasive breast cancer, stage three invasive ductal carcinoma, Um, and it almost took her life. But fortunately, um, she went into remission, but she had a single mastectomy. And for years, my dad, after they were married, kept begging her, Judy, this other breast, it's a ticking time bomb. Why, why wouldn't you have the other breast removed as a preventive measure? And she just wouldn't do it. I think she really tied that breast to a bit of her, her femininity and who she was as a woman. And unfortunately, when I was 12, she was diagnosed with a stage three breast cancer again in that other breast. And she died four years later. So for me, this was um, something that had really been a part of my life forever. I always knew my mom as a a breast cancer survivor, um, as somebody who was tough and could beat anything. And so to see my mom battle and ultimately lose her life was a very jarring but also motivational moment in my life because I said, I don't want that to be me. And I'm going to do anything that I can to be proactive, uh, do something preventative to make sure that this is not something that I have to deal with in my life. So when I was 26, I underwent a prophylactic double mastectomy, removing both of my breasts in an effort to help prevent breast cancer. And, you know, it was a very 
trying time in my life, but I haven't looked back at one moment. I know it was the right decision for me. It's super wonderful for you to, um, it's an incredible mentality. It's a great <laughs> attitude when you, when you face something so, so tragic. It's, it is, it's, it's a tragedy to, to lose a parent as a teenager. I can't even imagine. And, um, to then go throughout your lifetime wondering what you need to do and but also um, taking or having the strength and having the mentality of you know what I'm going to I'm going to be strong about this and I'm going to do this as positively as I can and take my right. life into well, my own hands. Sure, but I think there's there's really no other way to take it. I mean, you can spend your life feeling sorry for yourself and sorry for the things that happen, or you can say, look, you know, there are a lot of people out there who suffer from things far worse than I, and why not have, if I have the opportunity, which I did to have a preventative surgery, to know my family history, to um, be in a position where it was a possibility for me to have a proactive um, stance in my life. I think for so many women, they either don't know that maybe breast cancer runs in their family or some other sort of disease. They don't have access to health care that could provide them something like this. So I just tried to look on the bright side and say, I'm, I'm very lucky to get the chance to have this surgery and not have cancer and have to have it. That's amazing. And I think it's really awesome that um, you decided to have a double mastectomy. And a lot of people, there's a stigma with women um, getting their breasts taken off and, and the whole idea of uh, being a woman or not being a woman after you've taken your breasts off. Can you just talk a little bit about the importance of um, being proactive in the fight? Sure, sure. I think um, I, I lived that firsthand, seeing my mom feel like she wouldn't be a complete woman without her breasts. And looking back, I, I think my mom was so practical in other aspects of her life. Why couldn't she look at her breasts in the same way? But after I had my surgery, um, I remember looking in the mirror and being very unhappy with what I saw and wondering if I was ever going to feel like a complete woman again. I mean, I had seven scars as a result of my surgery. I was dealing with all the things that a woman who's undergone a surgery like this does. Um, but I think you just have to be a little objective about it and say, look, this isn't about my vanity. It's not about the way that I look. This is about doing something that's going to help save my life. And that's the only way to look at it. But of course, it is a very personal decision. And women have to understand that it's not a perfectly seamless procedure that's going to immediately look beautiful and perfect. And you're going to feel like yourself again. It is a process, but there is hope on the other side. So I think that that's something that women need to hear. Yes. And I think it speaks volumes when you say that um, it's not an instant gratification surgery. It, it is a process. Right. It takes time and everyone takes their own amount of time to get to where they're okay, um, which uh, brings me to talk about um, your recent runway experience being just a top model. Um, so you were the very first uh, double mastectomy patient to walk for Sports Illustrated Swim Week in Florida. Is that correct? 
Right, right. Yeah, this past um, July, Sports Illustrated had a competition where any woman all over the world could submit a 60-second video, upload it to Instagram, and have the chance to be featured by Sports Illustrated. So I had heard about it a year ago. I chickened out. Uh, you know, I came up with every single reason why I wasn't the type of woman who could do something like that. I, I wasn't in shape. I'd had this mastectomy. I have these scars. I mean, no way would they pick someone like me. But after kicking myself for an entire year, I said, you know what, if it comes up again, I'm going to give it a try. So I just submitted my video. And actually, two days later, they um, sent me an email and said, hey, can you come to Miami? And I had this incredible visceral reaction. I just started crying. I broke into hives. I'm in the middle of this restaurant sitting there, just having a high speed come apart. Um, it was a really just a really special moment in my life to see that having this mastectomy didn't define who I was and opportunities weren't going to stop arising in my life because of it. And the main thing was just having the courage to say, you know what, I, I am worth it and I deserve a chance too. How incredible is that? Right. Also, that's it's, amazing. It's such uh, it's such a testament because um, I'd also like to tie in um, your pageantry experience, which is which is where I um, had the privilege of watching and admiring um, back when you were Miss District of Columbia in the Miss America organization, uh, because you were Miss District of Columbia 2012, correct? Right, right. Right. And so that was the 2012 for the 2013 Miss America pageant is the only Miss America pageant I have ever had uh, the privilege to go in person and watch because that's the year that I was Miss Mississippi's Outstanding Teen 2012. And I will never, ever forget sitting in the Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, Nevada and see you get up there and roller skate for your talent because <laughs> right. I had never seen someone do that before. And I remember looking over at the girl sitting next to me and saying, I know that they don't take, because a lot of people don't realize that at the Miss America competition, the piano for piano players is constantly right. on the stage. When they put it on the stage, it doesn't move. It's there during swimsuit, evening gown, all the talents, all the dancers have to go around it, meaning she had to go around it in her roller skates. And I remember thinking, they should have moved that for her. <laughs> she needs the space. She's rolling around. And uh, that was that was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like that is so unique and so amazing. And that's when I started following Alan. Um, and then after when she uh, decided to have her double mastectomy, I really connected on another level because now – I could admire her not only because of her pageantry experience, because of mine, but also on a breast cancer journey because she was also doing something that I was doing. <laughs> so that was that was very fun for me um, to have a role model. And so now it's very exciting for me as well to have you as a role model in another capacity because you prove um, to everyone that's had a double mastectomy that, like you said, opportunity does not stop. And I think that that's incredible. Um, so with your pageantry, uh, has that um, experience given you another platform to or another group of women to speak to? Has that opened a door? Absolutely. And I think my my opportunity um, to be Miss District of Columbia and to compete at Miss America was really one of the, the first times 
I had the opportunity to have my voice be heard. Um, and it's so funny for you to say that you admire me and look up to me because I feel the exact same way about you. I've been following your story and your journey for so many years and just you being so much younger than me to have the, the bravery to undergo this surgery and to be so you know, proactive and speak about it, I think really speaks volumes to your character and who you are. And I think the Miss America program just affords young women like us the opportunity to really speak to our generation. And that's such a powerful tool. And I think very important for young women to know that their voices matter and that their voice can make a real difference. And um, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to have my story go to 30 different countries, almost 300 million homes, and to have women reach out to me, I mean, women who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s saying, you know, I found out I have the breast cancer gene mutation and I have a high risk of this and I couldn't even bring myself to do it. But to see this 24-year-old talking on TV about their future husband, their future children and doing it for them, she said, uh, this woman in particular who I choke up every time I talk about it. She said, uh, I just called my doctor and scheduled my surgery and you might have saved my life. And it just was such a transformative moment to realize that just having the courage to speak out about something can impact other people's lives because you think it's so simple. Oh, it's just my life. It's not so important. Um, but hearing somebody else do it sometimes is the push that you need to have the surgery, to take the chance, you know, in whatever trial you may have in your life. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, uh, I really appreciate it. And I agree wholeheartedly. I, um, sometimes when you have a huge support system um, in your lifetime, like family and friends and uh, people who rally around you in your community, it's all welcome. It's all supported and it's it's all needed at the time. Uh, but sometimes even when you have so many people rallying around you and they love you, they still don't always understand. And right. sometimes it's it's better to uh, or it's needed to even if you don't know that person to just be able to see someone else do it. Um, right. Which is why um, after you decided to uh, branch out and go uh, be on this runway in front of just millions of people that you have now reached um, is what gave me the courage to sign up and compete in the Miss Universe organization for the first time. Coming up. Oh my god! So I'm, Are you? I'm nervous. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so yes. nervous. So excited. <laughs> so scared. Um, but I, uh, because Alan not only was Miss, she was not only Miss District of Columbia to compete for the Miss America organization, but she was also Miss Maryland and competed at Miss USA as well. So she's like the, the many many moons ago. It seems she is. <laughs> she's like the Pentagon. I want to be constantly. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the Pink Podcast. The Memphis Mid-South Mississippi affiliate of Susan G. Coleman provides needed breast cancer services to women throughout West Tennessee and Mississippi. Your donation can help save the life of women who do not have access to breast health care. Please take a moment and donate by visiting our website at www.colemanmemphismms.org. That's www.kommemphismms.org. 
Thank you for your support. So we're back with Alan in Portugal. Hey, Alan. Um, uh, thank you again for speaking with us. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the BRCA1 and 2 gene mutations um, that a lot of women who are afflicted by this disease um, also carry. Um, for instance, I am a BRCA1 carrier. Um, are you a carrier? I am not. Um, I was tested before I had my surgery, uh, and I am BRCA mutation 1 and 2 negative. But so was my mother and the other women in my family who lost their lives to breast cancer. Um, I was just tested with the color test for other cancer um, genes, and I actually don't carry any of them as well, which was a little kind of shocking to me. I thought that I would find something. Um, but knowing that I still had this strong family history despite uh, not being mutation positive was enough motivating factor for me to have the surgery. I agree. And I think that's so important uh, that that our listeners and just the general public understand is that you don't have to carry um, a gene mutation in order to develop breast cancer. It's not something where you have to check a box in order right. to develop. And that it can, right. it can happen to families uh, that just have a family history of it, which is very sure. sad, but... Oh, absolutely. And I think um, what my doctors had said to me is, look, we're, we're not magicians. Uh, we're not fortune tellers. We can test for a few genes right now. Um, you, don't, you don't have the BRCA mutation, but maybe you have something and we just can't test for it yet. So after um, close counsel with my family, with myself and with my physicians, we decided that it was the right decision for me. Which is very smart. Um, I think it's very smart for everyone to take their life into their own hand and that it's not a decision made lightly. It's one that you really, really have to uh, put your whole heart into, that you really have to have counsel and seek counsel with everyone important in your life. And if you're a spiritual person, you know, pray to your God about it. And um, absolutely. So the two things that the number two, the number one and number two question I'm constantly asked when asked about my decisions are, were you scared? <laughs> and was it a hard decision to make? And I constantly, it's the, the above and beyond questions I always get asked. So I will ask you, were you scared? And was it a hard decision to make? Well, I would lie if I said that I, there wasn't some trepidation when I went into this. Um, so of course I was scared. You it's always scary to go into something where you don't have all the information. You're not sure how things are going to turn out. And for some women, they have wonderful cosmetic outcomes, but other women don't. And they're really um, spending the rest of their lives with a body that's drastically different from how it was before. So as someone who worked in the beauty industry, as a former pageant contestant, as somebody who worked as a model, um, whether uh, I realized it or not, my body had really become a defining part of my life at that time. And so the fear that it could be different was was really, really large. But I also knew that I didn't want to have to tell my 16-year-old daughter someday that she was going to spend her life without her mom. And I remember having that conversation with my mother and how hard it was for her, obviously how hard it was for me, knowing that all of the crowning achievements in my life were going to have to happen without my mom's guidance, without her being there, without having that, that cheerleader. And I said, the way that I look is just an accessory 
And I want to be here someday for my kids. And I know my mom would have given up every part of her body to just have another minute with us. So why wouldn't I do it? So I just made the decision. I signed on the dotted line and I did it and I haven't looked back. I like the way she phrased that. The way I look is just an accessory. I think that's so poignant, right? Um, So I guess on a lighter note, um, tell me about your husband. Tell me about your life outside of breast cancer. (laughs) Well, I have the most amazing husband. I might be a little biased, um, but I, I don't know if I would have been able to go through this whole surgical process without him. Um, We were just dating at the time when I had the surgery, the relationship was still pretty new. I told him that it was something I wanted to do and he actually quit his job. Um, I met him in Germany. He lived in Germany. So he quit, came to the U.S. for um, about 30 days, fed me, bathed me, cared for me. I mean, I literally couldn't do anything. I couldn't get myself out of bed. So this man is carrying me up and down the stairs, feeding me my Cheerios. I mean... You name it, he did it. Girl, no, and... no wonder you put a ring on that. <laughs> like, who does it? Exactly, exactly. So after, um, after I underwent my surgery, I said, okay, if you're willing to do that, I'm willing to move. So I packed my bags uh, and I moved to Frankfurt, Germany. And I've been there for just a little over three years now with my husband. And it's been quite an adventure. I lived in the same place essentially my entire life. I'd never been to Europe until the day that I met him. And so it was, um, that was, I almost think a more challenging experience than going through my surgery, having to leave my, my family, my friends, my job, my support system, everything, and learn a new language, learn a new culture, um, all while healing from the surgery. But, uh, you know, it was one of the, the greatest decisions that I ever made, having a, a spouse that I knew was going to be there with me through the tough times. And he's still incredibly supportive now because you do travel a lot for your work. Right. Absolutely. When the Sports Illustrated thing come up came up, I had actually, I just lost my job two years before I got laid off. So we have no uh, income stream for me. And he said, you know what, we'll find a way to pay for it. Pack your bags, go to Miami. Um take the take the chance and thankfully uh thank god it worked out um but he's the type of person that says hey you know never stop chasing your dreams and has really afforded me the opportunity to do that what a great support system right miss Catherine? like i need to find me somebody like that (laughs) well i can tell you that european men are the ones you should be looking for they're they're pretty tip top here so i invite you guys all to come stay with me in frankfurt introduce you to some nice guys i'm telling you you say that one more you say that too many times that i'm gonna show up (laughs) in germany (laughs) with a translation book and saying hello my name is molly I like tall and deep voices and sunflowers. <laughs> well, we got a lot of them here, so you are always welcome. Awesome. Um, so um, is there anything else that you uh, would like for our listeners, uh, anything you would like to leave our listeners with um, that you think is incredibly important when it comes to the fight against breast cancer? Um, I would say one of the most important things is for people to just um, weigh their own personal options and know that this is a very, very personal decision. So either if you're having the surgery, if you're deciding not to, um, consult with yourself and make sure that you are in a good mental 
position to do this because dealing with the surgery um, while you're going through it and even more so the aftermath of it, this has to be a decision that you made for yourself because it's an incredibly difficult process for, during, and after. Um, and for me, what was really challenging was not having someone my age to talk to or even somebody that felt like a tangible, real person who had gone through this surgery. So I always invite people to reach out to me, um, my social media channels, at Alan Rose on really everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole deal. And I answer everyone's uh, comments and questions that they have. And I'm just an open ear if anybody needs to talk. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for, for speaking with us today and for sharing your story because it's, uh, it's so personal, but it's also so helpful and so needed um, in our day and age today with your point of view and your strength and resilience. And I'm so incredibly honored to speak with you. And um, we're just grateful. We're happy. <laughs> Well, you are so welcome. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share my story. I mean, there are a million women just like me who've gone through the same thing and to have the opportunity to share the message and reach other people. I mean, it's quite a blessing. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the Susan G. Coleman Memphis, Mississippi Pink Podcast. To donate or find additional resources and support this podcast, visit our website at www.kommenphismms.org. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the D.L. Dykes Foundation, producers of Faith and Reason.